what's up? Welcome to Invisible Boot Stories. So there was so much that we had to cover. That we this is going to be a two part, two part or part one and part two, um, because I mean it's just the level of conversation and the topic of what it means to be pro black. Are you black enough? Is what we discovered to <laughs> be pro black. Um, so we're going to break this up into a two-parter. So let's get started with my wonderful guest, Mr. Dorian from Dorian Must Create. That's the social media feed. All the information's in the description box. So let's get started. Um, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hey, 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 what's up to episode three of Invisible uh, Booth Stories? What's up? This is your host. Um, my name is Sasha, and welcome to Invisible Booth Stories. This is a weekly set of stories, interviews, and discussions from the perspective of people of color about what life is like in living color. I do believe we're living in interesting times, my friends. And so today I have a special guest for you. You're not going to just hear me speak alone. I have a friend say, what's up? We have a beautiful um, musician, artist, fashion designer, Mr. Dorian. Yes. What's up? Welcome to Invisible Booth Stories. Thank you so much. This is a monumentous event for being my first guest. You are my first guest, so I'm super excited to have you. Why don't you tell our wonderful listeners a little bit about yourself, my friend? Um, fashion designer. Um, I've worked in the fashion industry for a number of years. Also a musician, yes. singer, songwriter, producer. Um, Dope one. An instrumentalist. Yeah. yeah. You know. I call him a thought professor. I, yeah, I guess that's... <laughs> If that works, then that's... that's He's a professor of thought. He is so intelligent. Um, he really has you going, hmm. I don't... Don't <laughs> don't buy into that. I mean, the expectations become extremely high at that point. And then uh, <laughs> if I under-deliver, it's... it's Never. Like, what? That's what? not... No, Black man. You are a Black king. You're brilliant. You're smart. You can never under-deliver. We always over-deliver. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know, we have a special, special episode today because there's a lot going on in this world and so, and in, and in society really. And, um, you know, we, (laughs) I don't even know where to start. You know, we've been talking a lot or I've been talking a lot about being pro-black, you know, and also when you say pro-black, the negativity or the negative aspects of the um, adverse responses that I get, not only from white folks, you know, but also from people within my own community. And, um, yeah, like I stumbled, you know, I, I I don't, honestly, I don't even know (laughs) where to get started because it's such a vast, vast, um, topic. Um, but you know, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get us started with, this week's shenanigans. We're gonna start into that because um, 
And this has to do with the scale of being pro-black. Because there's this white dude on YouTube who... I don't even know how to describe him. He seems on the out surface very sweet. He has this whole YouTube channel dedicated to Black women Mm -hmm. and his love and obsession for Black women. And when I I actually stumbled on this dude like three years ago, I think in 2015, and I watched one of his videos and I was very confused. I didn't really know what to think about it. But um, he was very, very interesting. So he has, okay, one of the things, and I, and I stumbled upon his video and I thought of you immediately, Adorian, because I was like, I don't like, I really am curious what a black man (laughs) would think watching, like what their experience would be watching this guy. So his name is Cohen Nanik and literally he has about like 45,000 subscribers, I think. And every video, I'm not kidding is a dedication to black women in some shape or form or dissecting a black woman in some shape or form, or it's a quote unquote, and I use that in quotes, love letter to a black woman. So we started like having a discussion, which is why I wanted to bring you as a guest because our discussion went so deep and I wish we actually recorded it, to be honest. Um, So it started with this video, if you want to look it up, it's called, What Kind of Black Women Do White Guys Like? And just the title alone, I find a lot of issues with because I feel like, and you can tell me your thoughts, Dorian, like, I feel like, first of all, what makes you think that you, white man, in your opinion of me, matters so much? (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think probably due to black women feeling like there's a void or there is you know, they're not getting that type of encouragement or, or, or positive reinforcement from black men. It, it kind of, you know, causes them to buy into the idea of that. For me, it just always seems like white men, um, well, he seems like to me, because I've watched it, he seems like to me that black women are a novelty or something that he is obsessed with, fascinated with, infatuated with. I think he's also, without saying it, obsessed with the sexual prowess of Black women. That's my personal opinion. I'm always leery when I see something like that because you can't divorce a Black woman from the trauma and the trials that Black women deal with on a daily basis. You can't say, okay, she's so beautiful, I'm in her corner, I support her, she's the most beautiful woman on the planet, and not understand the deeper issues and the and, and the, the nuances of a Black woman. I don't think he's really concerned about the Black woman's culture, ancestry, matriarchal uh, uh, past, um, anything. I think that he's only concerned with the physical aspect of black women. And when they play out, he'll throw them away and go to Hispanic women. That's how I feel. I feel like society often does that with black women. The other thing is, this: isn't it the white man and woman that has set the standard of beauty that black, that you black women contend against every day in society, because they're the ones that own and run the corporations Right. They're the CEOs. 
They're the creative directors. And although I will say there has been some breakthrough there, the standard of beauty. Well, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but you hit so many interesting points. So just to piggyback on the, on your last point, and I kind of want to go in reverse. Um, Yes. And yes, there has been some changes, but I do think that the white corporations are trying to take control of the black because I do think that black women, when it comes to the natural hair movement, for example, are taking back ownership of what their beauty is and what it means for them and are saying pretty much, fuck you, world. Let's be honest, what you define as beautiful, we're redefining it. And I'm reconnecting with my beauty and learning about myself and how my hair works and embracing my thick thighs and lips and quote unquote big nose, you know, my Afro, my Afrocentric um, features as my own, but what you are seeing more and more, um, what they're trying to do is take control of the narrative because now you're starting to see with the black hair natural movement, what's considered quote unquote beautiful. You know, that was the example of the, there's a YouTuber, a white guy YouTuber who comments on, um, the process of black women, you know, uh, washing our hair. Like he goes through a series of black women YouTubers washing their hair. And then he also goes through what he defines as what's considered beautiful black natural hair, which is the curly 3C. You know, and there's a huge debate within the black community too about even defining ourselves with the hair because that's just another form of separation, right? But like what white people, because what you're starting starting to see in commercials is the light lighter skin black woman, or if she, even she has dark skin, she has big, curly, fro hair. Oh, yeah. My point is, 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 is to speak to that. If these are the individuals that set the standard for beauty, is this same white man working to change a narrative of what beauty is? I don't think he is. No. I think that he's fine in his corner, appealing to black women, um, and, and trying to coach them by flattering words to, you know, but yeah, let's um, do with that because do whatever you want to do. But but I, I will say this too, there was something else that I wanted to say um in terms of that. There I don't think that I think that every community um monetizes from from you know what black people do except for black people many times. So the natural hair movement you know, um, everybody else, you know, takes that and and they they capitalize off of like it. white they women rocking froze right now, um, which is kind of ridiculous and, and annoying. And but. that's 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 commonplace. And <laughs> this is why you know I really look at at you know the it's state of black people and, and see how black people are, are are consumers and black people. Well, you know, for the most part, are always. On the buying end, you know, they're 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 not they're not they're consumers. You know, they're not owning any of the any of these things. They're not they're not coining these phrases and 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 profiting off of them, or then they're they're not profiting off of natural hair or things that they just do naturally that the world finds fascinating. Um, so I think it's partially black, you know, blacks in America. I think it's partially. You know the fault of, want, to, to the fault or the detriment. But I want to touch base on what you're saying that fall into the flattery because this guy, guys, if you can listen to it, please let me know your thoughts. I mean, for real, let me know your thoughts because you know a lot of his comments are black women that are like, "Thank you." 
And so some of the things that I was seeing, um, so it's a lot of positive comments. And some of the things that I was seeing or, or discussing that we discussed previously is that, you know, as a Black woman, I can tell you 100% that I've never been dissected in the way that this man has dissected me. You know, there's he has another video about like 11 sensual things that Black women do. And honestly, when I was watching it, I was sitting at work watching it, and I know my coworkers were walking by going, what is wrong with her? But I was making a lot of faces like, this Negro, lack of a better term, this fool. Um, but then I would do something, and then he would literally say something that I just did. And I was like, oh my God, this guy has dissected me to such a point that I, but so there's a sense of flattery because as a black woman, we are the most misunderrepresented, most misunderstood, um, and most underprotected, you know? Mm -hmm. And nobody, I, I walked through, there's a reason why this podcast is called the invisible booth stories. I walk through this earth invisible, through this society invisible. I can I can have a speakerphone and scream things out loud, but it usually about 99.9% of the time falls on deaf, deaf ears. So it's it so I can understand why there's so many positive what 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 I think comments is, because it's it's flattery as a woman, period, to be seen. What I think to demystify him understanding <laughs> black women, he's done nothing different than what everybody else always does. You look at dance, black yeah, people, black, but, black people. But, but listen, I don't listen. Uh, I'm sure there are channels of black men doing that, but I have yet no, to No, no, I'm not talking about black men. I said everybody no, I'm saying, else. Yeah, right, I'm but, men, but, but let's be, but like, I would love to have a channel of our black men dissecting and praising everything about right. a listen, black listen, woman. Listen to what I'm saying. I said he does nothing different than anything that all the other cultures do. Every culture does this with black people. Black people have a tendency not to appreciate and value the things that come from them. Black people are the only culture that I know that build cultures and subcultures or build subcultures out of cultures, out of everything that they do, so to speak. I'm talking about from sneakers right. to cars Word. to to church Word. to yeah. hip-hop. Word, which uh, everybody um, does. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, everything. Pimping. R&B. Being a doctor. It's not even sung by Black folks you know, on the radio um, anymore. Music, I mean, food, every single thing is... is, is becomes a, a subculture, culture becomes a subculture. all over the world, not just all within over. the United States, all over the so world. So this is my point. It becomes a subculture and individuals imitate those the nuances of those subcultures. Dance, annoying. food, annoying. dress, annoying. shoes, annoying. cars, annoying. church, it's, it's, not, pimping, it's not even a form of being flattery. Smart, going to college. There was at one point um, a show, A Different World. Uh, Everybody wanted to go to a historical black college. Everyone. I mean, you had blacks, you had you had whites that actually attended college. So, you know, um, he's doing nothing different than what other cultures have done, Mm -hmm. you know, for centuries. I think that 
due to the, the void in the black community of the black man building up the black woman and exalting the black woman is why he's able to gain a following, why he's supported by the black women that he's supported by. Also, the black women that support him have a lack of knowledge of self. I'm yeah, let's almost talk certain about that. Let's that talk about the psychological I believe, I believe that the state of, of the black women. community and the black person today. Uh-huh. Okay, but finish your thought because oh, yeah, yeah, you no, bring I, a good statement. I, I, was, I was just saying, you know, I, I think that a lot of a lot of women that follow him don't they don't have a knowledge of self. Or I would assume that they don't have a full knowledge of self. You know, because it's it's you know it's flattering and not to say it's not flattering. I I I think that I, my personal opinion is that everybody on the planet admires a black woman. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Why? You know, <laughs> well, we'll get into why later. But, but you know, admiring the the black woman is is fine. But none of the I've looked at a, few, a number of comments, and none of them called to account or, or, or question him about where he stood in terms of the struggles of the black woman. Thank you. Working to change that, speaking right. with individuals that look like him or, or doing something, setting up a page to speak out against the things that about black women deal with every day. Right. The inequalities. Black women have made a number of strides, you know, so, but I don't think that most white people are even concerned about that. They, right. They're more fascinated with the subcultures that we create, the way we look, the way we dance, the way we shoot a basketball. You know, um, I mean, even even the strides we make in the medical industry, law, they're, they're, they're more fascinated with or more. Some are fascinated. Some just cope and deal with black brilliance. They tolerate black brilliance because of the benefit that they get from it. But when it comes to, you know. Leveling the playing field, not so much. I but mean, that's the thing, though. I think white people truly believe that we are on an equal playing field. Because when you hear things like, and these are my experiences, like, I mean, I, I've, I'm in a place where I just cut ties with a lot of nonsense, you know, um, and nonsense people, you know. Like I had a handful or, you know, a couple of white friends, you know, but I'm in a place where if you don't understand, if you're going to say things to me like, I wish we can just not only talk about race. I don't want our friendship to be defined around race. I take high offense to that because that lets me know that you are not interested in really being my friend, that you are more interested in perpetuating and creating the comfortability that has been brought to you and created for you and your whiteness and the white supremacist society that we live in. Because I, as an African-American woman in this country and in this world, because let's face it, there's no place in the world, my family comes from Haiti, I am a child of Haitian immigrants, and I say this even when we go to Haiti and vacation. There's no place in this world that a Black person can travel to and not experience racism. Mm -hmm. So for you to open your mouth and say a blanket statement like that, and you're supposedly my friend, quote unquote, 
is an assault to me. Mm -hmm. Because you're ignoring my experience. I, as a black person, you're not wanting to deal with the world that your ancestors and you, by making a statement like that, continue to perpetuate. Because there's an assault on me and people like me every single day. And the repercussions of the past affect me every single day. So I think white people live in this weird illusion or whether they're aware of it and they just really don't want to deal with it, that we are on the same playing field, that race doesn't matter, that we're all part of the same human race. Yes, if that is the case, then use your moral compass to do the right thing because your moral compass is telling you that times that this is wrong, that there's a social and economic difference, that there's certain prejudices not birth prejudices that keep us from building ourselves up. There's not a superiority that you have that keeps the playing love that keeps that keeps black people and brown people in ghettos. There's a certain socioeconomic thing that's been um structure that has been passed on since the days of motherfucking slavery. And until you guys and you guys continue to perpetuate and live off of that until you guys address it. And deal and take away the illusions that we are all on the same playing field for you to open your mouth and say something to me like that is an assault. And that's where I cut ties because I don't have the time. I'm not your mama. It's not up to me to teach you the moral ways to teach you what is wrong and to step up and do the right thing. It is up to you because you're the ones perpetuating. You are the one in control of this system. And to speak to that point, I don't think that um, I think that there are a large group of white Americans that know and and fully understand that the playing field in, you know, many cases. is. I don't think it's enough. Um, I think that they do not want to be confronted with it because then it invokes dialogue. You know, when you look at some of the experiments that um, Jane Elliott did, you know, which was for it, people that was, are honest, don't know who she is and yeah, Jane, what she did. Jane Elliott had a number of experiences, uh, experiments. I think one of them was a doll experiment. Yes. Um, she would get students in a classroom and she would basically give them status based on their physical uh, features, the phys- physical uh, characteristics, blue eyes, you know, their hair. She would put them in, in groups and categories and she would discriminate against one group versus another. Um, it's interesting to see um, how the group that is discriminated against, how they react. They react as if they know that society is the way that it is, but they ignored it with, with the crying and the frustration. You know, and some of the students leaving the room, they react as if they know because, you know, the, the psychological aspect of that is this. If you are completely unaware you're not going to get i don't think you know if if i'm unaware of a bias when it's pointed out to me and then in an experiment i'm put in a group where i'm the one discriminated against i'm not going to get angry and walk out of the room i don't think that i would break down in an emotional rant you're talking about I the would, kids I would, and I would, the experiment yeah, the, the, that were the, the, the brown yes. eyes and they were deemed ugly yes. and less. Than, I would, you wouldn't, right. if you don't know, you don't break. You're, you're not 
if you're angry, if you're confronted with the feelings of anger, I think the anger would come from the realization that these things actually are taking place. I think a lot of them are ang- were angry because they know it. They know it was taking place and it is taking place now, but they didn't want to confront it. They didn't want to trouble the world in which they live. They didn't want to trouble their worldview. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that is is really the the aspect of it. I, I don't think that, you know, everybody's walking around here blind and 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 telling, you know, black people to just oh get over it, you know, this was years right. ago. The I, I don't think that that is the case. I think that there are a number of individuals that know and are well aware, but they just don't want to be confronted with it because it's too hurtful. It's 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 too much for them. But the dialogue needs to happen. The dialogue needs to happen because there is is you know there's a whole generation of people, whole group of people for hundreds of years that have been psychologically affected by this. So. They don't want to confront it. I think the main thing of them not wanting to confront it is they don't want to trouble the world in which they live because they're not affected by the things that black and brown people are affected by every day. They they don't see it. It doesn't touch them. It doesn't affect them at all in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So they don't want it to be exposed because once it's exposed, then you have to do something. But that kind of of brings me to, that reminds me, okay, so... People like, so, you know, like you say, a lot of white people don't, they're aware of it, but they don't want to deal with it. And I think about like people like, so there are artists, I'm an artist, I'm a writer, you know, I'm in the entertainment industry. And I think about Hollywood, black Hollywood, you know, that are making, that are talking about issues. People like Jordan Peele, people like Dave Chappelle, um, who else? Uh, Childers Gambino, Donald Glover, AKA, you know, these people, especially in the white media in Hollywood are doing tackling issues that make white America or white Hollywood understand the plight of the black experience. Right. But then, and what we were talking about too, is that I have a hard time grasping Although when I do see the things that they're talking about and that they're exposing to the world to help them understand, which is for me the whole other topic, because I'm at a point where I'm like, I don't need people to understand. I'm kind of done with that, you know? Um, But I have a hard time grasping that these men are getting praise. And it's honestly black men who are not with black counterparts or with white women, or I think Dave Chappelle's with an Asian woman. Listen, like I said, like we were talking yesterday, I have, you know, mixed race people in my family, you know, people in my family too are, you know, involved in interracial dating. I've also dated interracially in the past myself, you know, but what I'm at a place where I no longer will ever mm. because um, do, do it again. And I'll explain later why. But um, I do find it interesting that Hollywood is praising, to me, these Black men who are not with Black counterparts, who are helping them understand, you know, the Black experience and the Black plight, to me, in a way that's comfortable to them, 
Because I do feel like there's a power in representation, right? There's a power in what image gives. And one of the reasons that I choose to be with a Black man, to date a Black man, is because I believe that, well, I okay, so I'm pro-Black. And I say that to my white friends, <laughs> to my white coworkers, to anybody. I'm un- unapologetically Black, and I'm not afraid to say it. Because to me, what being pro-Black means to me is that I am celebrating myself. I'm accepting my culture. I'm also learning more about the culture that was not taught to me. I'm no longer ashamed because I think what a lot of white people don't understand is that we were taught to be ashamed of who we were. We were taught to have, and we'll get into that double consciousness, right? To be one way with our people and one way to make white people comfortable to sort of lessen ourselves in a white space. Right. So I know, so when I'm pro-Black too, I also understand that when I better myself, I'm bettering my community. And the actions that I do for myself right now are also also affect my community as, as a better whole. And so while I choose to be with a Black man and will never date or procreate with a white or anyone outside of my race, to be quite honest, it's not an assault because often I get that it's an assault against that means I'm we're all just part of the human race. I'm anti-white or I'm anti this. I'm anti that. No, I'm embracing my blackness because I understand the rep- the power of what it means to have two black people hold hands and walk down the street. The power of what it means, especially when you have a public platform. The power and the image of what that means all over the world. To, to have a black partner by my side. what And so that's why I was saying I have a hard time grasping with people like, and not to say that their work is not amazing and they're un, it's undeserving and they're not making great strides, strides for the black community. But what I'm trying to understand is can you be pro-black? And that's something that has been a debate within the black community. If you are with a non-black pop partner, Hey, 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 guys, that is the end of part one. We, oh my gosh, we have so much to discuss. I didn't realize how deep, actually I did realize how deep this was, but I wanted to continue the conversation. So that is the end of part one, but tune in next week for part two where we answer, can you be pro-black and date outside your race? And well, we answer that, we go in a little bit further into double consciousness um, uh, and and self-identity and our accountability versus responsibility. And we try to answer that to the best of our capability, to the best of our knowledge. Again, we all come from different walks of life and experiences. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, Leave a message, upload it, record. Um, Leave a message if you can about your thoughts and we'll share it next week. So if you want to follow Dorian, Mr. Professor of Thought, I like to call him, um, you can catch him at Dorian Must Create on Twitter and on the Instagram. And uh, you can also follow me at Sasha underscore Ellie. Again, all of that stuff is in the description box. So tune in next week where we answer that question. Leave me your thoughts, comments. Please share. Um, Thanks, guys, for listening. Catch you next week. Bye. And now a quick word from our sponsors.
If you suffer from anxiety or depression, please know that you are not alone. There are tons of resources out there for you to reach out to, especially tons of mental health specialists out there to help you. Virtually everyone experiences anxiety as a natural response to stress, especially if you're living in 2019, then more than likely you have probably experienced stress on some or any level. So know that you're never alone. There's always someone to reach out to. You can reach out to a friend. You can reach out to a family member. Thanks for listening. On today's episode, we're going to explore something that I have been dealing with forever and to me it's invisible to most people that don't know me it's my anxiety it's something that I have dealt with pretty much all my life I can even go as far back as gosh being a little girl and knowing the moment that my anxiety was triggered and um the age, the day, like I I remember it so vividly and clearly and it's been with me every since or ever since, every, every since. (laughs) Um, it's something that I've been working on that I'm still continuing to work on. I am, you know, have been speaking with people. I do think that mental health is part of, um, self-care And, um, you know, my therapist has really given me some great tools to get over my anxiety. I've been seeing a therapist, gosh, since my mother passed. And that's something I used to keep invisible. I used to keep secret um, because I especially come from a family, a culture, West Indian culture, where um, we don't talk about our issues, our things out loud and we don't go to anyone for help we are resilient we are strong and we can figure it out on our own so um that's something that you know most people would think if you really don't know me that I always have a smile on my face that's one characteristic that people always use to describe me um almost everywhere that I go is my wonderful smile I'm so pleasant I'm so happy Um, and not to say that's a bad thing, but I think like all of us, we're all, you know, um, we all have many different layers and sides to us. And, um, one of the things that really I sincerely and deeply struggle with is anxiety. And so today we're going to dive into a discovery about my anxiety and the birth of it, um, which is very interesting. Um, gosh, it's even hard for me to just even stop and think about right now. But um, let's uh, let's just dive right in. <laughs> 